Solves this week's Devil in Detail podcast. I'm Rob Paxson, and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Join the show this week, as ever. Back, missed last week, Paul Whiteside. Uh, how was your week been, mate? Yeah, all right, thank you, mate. Yeah, glad to be back on. I know I've missed the last... I think I've missed the last couple, haven't I? Oh, last week anyway, but no, it's it's got I'd rather be doing this than under someone's floor somewhere. So it's nice to be back on, mate. I'm looking forward to the show. There's been quite a lot going on, haven't there? So uh, so yeah, I'm excited, mate. Yeah, keeping the economy going so me and Parking can me and Paul Parking can uh, live the life, Parking. What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, it's been good for me, like I said last week. I think oh, this is the first time I've worked with you both for uh, about three weeks now. I don't know where you both <laughs> what you're both up to. You're only me taking this serious, all right? <laughs> yeah, something been, like that, Parky. <laughs> yeah, so there's loads and loads uh, to, to go at. Uh, we're going to look at the uh, the Wigan game. Uh, we're going to look at all the big news coming out of the, the club this week. Uh, we've got Paul Whiteside's amateur report, and we're going to preview the game against Huddersfield on Friday night. So what we'll do, we'll start off uh, with uh, the Wigan defeat uh, on Friday. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your big match review. So, Salford Devils were defeated uh, against Wigan Warriors at the DW Stadium. They went down 16 points to six. Uh, Paul, defeat against Wigan. Talk us through it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a funny game, Rob, for me. I thought Wigan were there for the taking in that first half. Um, again, our Achilles heel have not been able to create enough chances in a game. Just bit us on the backside again. I don't think we made a line break in the entire game, did we? Um, we got that try from, from from Burgess, which was a good finish, good try. But there was one stage in the second half where we had sort of at least four pivots on the pitch. Igarno uh, was on, Tuilale was on, Kevin Brown was on, and who else was on? Um, who was the other one? Whose name uh, escapes me? Chris Atkins, sorry, Chris Atkins. Yeah, then. I didn't get what we were trying to do there. It was um, it was strange. We didn't seem to have enough runners. We seemed to be going sideways. A lot of it was lateral, and it wasn't quite direct enough. And for me, Wigan, they, they moved Jackson Aces from full-back to, to, to half-back, and he was the difference. He was the difference between the two sides. To me, he's the only player they've got. You take him out of their side, they're so one-dimensional. It was unbelievable, and I think that's one of the best chances we've had at Wigan for, for a long time. And No, we were just a bit... In the second half, and I don't think you could fault the effort. I thought the effort was tremendous. They tackled hard, they worked the socks off, but we just didn't have that cutting edge or that guile to, to break Wigan down, which was frustrating because it was an opportunity to get two points. So, you know, talking about the game and talking through the game, yeah, I'd say it was a good effort, but you know, work needs to be done on the attack. Richard Marshall needs to start, which is his best two half backs. And, um, and yeah, Jackson Aces was the difference. I thought he had a great game. Yeah, the lineup was Tuilola here at fullback, Reese Williams, Matty Costello, Dan Sideson, Joe Burgess, Chris Atkin, Kevin Brown, who came back from injury, Lee Mossop, Andy Ackers, Jack Ormanroyd, Harvey Levette, Elijah Taylor, and Danny Addy. On the bench was Atta Hingano, Josh Johnson, Paulie Paula, and Ellis Robson uh, Parker. Uh, Dan Sideson back, uh, Kevin Brown back. You know, I'd like to take back as well. I think it's uh, good that Richard Marshall's got some bodies back uh, with the games to come. Absolutely. I mean, it's great to see Sarge back. I think um, I think he had a really good game as well, considering he's been out for such a long time. And throughout the season, missed you know large chunks. Um, but I thought his link-up play with Burgess was, was brilliant. I think the two of them could be a real a real threat going forward if you get game time together. Um uh, bit, bit of a concern as to where Kenny Seal goes for the rest of the year. I'm not, I'm not 100, percent but uh, and obviously Inu and people like that. But um, no, I thought overall, like Paul said, the effort was definitely there. There wasn't a player on the pitch that I would, you know, probably single out too much to say didn't didn't contribute. It just it was that for me. It was just our ball control. It was so, so poor. We the second half when we did have the ball, we I think we must have got out of our half probably twice with ball in hand. First half, we did really well. We completed uh, full sets. You know, we, we turned them around. We kept the ball in play. Which was, uh, you could see the Wigan players tiring a little bit at phases in that first half. Um, but like Paul said, the switch from from Wigan and Adrian Lambert put Jacko at, at half back for them was he, he was doing what he does. He was controlling the game. Uh, he had runners off him that we didn't really have. I know what Paul was saying about having four half backs on at one point. Um, and for me, there was nobody running off anyone. There was a lot of sideways running. Burgess did quite a bit of it, going across, trying to get, but he needed somebody to run off him. 
you know, make a run inside or at least be a decoy. And none of that happened in the second half. And it was all a bit flat. Um, and I know a lot of the players were coming back, you know, they haven't played for a while. Uh, Taylor and um, uh, who played loose forward? Um, Adi, Danny Adi. Yeah. You know, Adi hadn't played for a while. You know, so, so they were going to tire a little bit. We've still got players missing. But overall, I think like Paul said, I think, I think we had a chance. I said it last week on the podcast to you, Rob. We had nothing to worry about there, but Wigan. Mm. I don't think they're as good as people make them out to be. Um, and at half time, I was, I was supremely confident that we could see that game out. But maybe there were a few weary legs. And, and obviously, again, and I know we've talked about it, and I know, you know, the, the coach is probably banging his head, but the discipline was just not good enough. And I'm taking out the Higano incident. That was a, he's a lazy tackle that he's got wrong and he's, you know, he's hit somebody high. You get what you, you get a red card really for that, I think. He was lucky to get a yellow. Um, everything else, we just, we, we give penalties away at silly times, doing silly things. It's not, it's never like, you know, we, we give one away on the first tackle where it doesn't really matter. It's always when we get them to the last tackle and we give them piggyback up the pitch and that, that's cost us again, I think. And it has tired out a lot of lads who, who were probably a little bit weary. Yeah, I think we've got to factor in the fact that we hadn't trained this week due to COVID. I think they had two sessions, I think, at the end of end of, end of the week. Uh, I thought the first half was, was positive. Uh, Joel Burgess with his try, good solid defence. I thought we were quite patient, really, in attack as well. We, we made Wigan play out a lot. Uh, I suppose against big teams away from home, that's the kind of strategy you kind of look for, right? to build frustration in, in their crowd. And to go in our time 6-4 up, Paul was a, was a good thing. Uh, I thought I thought we were in good 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 uh, good position there. Unfortunately, second half, like Parky said, seemed to lose a bit of control. Discipline started to to go as well, and I feel like Wigan squeezed us a bit. And we didn't. As soon as Wigan sort of got ahead, we didn't we didn't look like we had an answer to to, to their questions. No, I think we lacked a bit of composure in that, that second half. You know, the, the first. I think the six points they got the first six points were three penalty goals, weren't they? That sort of nudged them in front. Yeah. Um, and we didn't recover from that. I mean, the Simbin is like like Parky said there. I think the Agano one was. I don't think it was malicious on Jackson. He's just missed time, wasn't it? So that is what it is. I think the Josh Johnson and Morgan Smith is one I thought was ridiculous. There was two, but I think it was an eye tackle on on Josh Johnson. That was in the first half, wasn't it? And he had a bit of a set two with Smithy. So I mean, he's just been tackled around the head. We got the penalty, and then two guys get Simbin. <laughs> What I can't understand from him is that why can't the referee just have a talk to him? Just calm down, lads. I tackle. Just be careful. Why has everything got to be simbin now? We're in... I know this is probably for a different podcast, this debate, but to me, the referees sometimes, they like sanitising the game. It's a contact sport. They're going to have little tiffs and little bits of... I mean, we want a bit of biff in the sport, don't we? Stop. Sorry, it's not a... It's not ticking pass. It's not cake baking. So that that annoyed me a bit. But but no, going to the second half, I think we we like you said we, we lost a bit of composure and uh, Wigan got in front. And I don't know. A lot of it was sideways from us. We didn't really create anything, and we never really threatened. I can't remember us having a set of six. I think there was one where we knocked on early doors. I can't remember having another set of six in the Wigan sort of twenty-five. Really, I don't think we had any possession up there. So it's difficult to. To get a, get a result, I mean, the one the one Wigan try came from Sam Powell, didn't it? Um, I think they got a bit of a dodgy ricochet and that. So we we didn't get busted. We didn't get busted down the middle, and you know, and they didn't create loads of chances either. Wigan did this, so it was one of them. I think we were just a bit rusty. I think there's factors in there. I thought Elijah Taylor looked absolutely goosed, didn't he? I mean, we said he's lost a lot of weight and that, and he come off at the end, he looks absolutely shattered. So I think there's players there who played who perhaps weren't quite ready. They've not done loads of training, so I think you've got to say hats off to him. You know, they've, they've gone out there and give it their all. Yeah, tw- 20 minutes, uh, Parker, two separate periods of 10 minutes out of 12 men away from home against Wigan. It's a, it's a big mm. task, isn't it, that to, to, to weather the storm? And we did uh, defensively, but attacking-wise, yeah, we, we looked a bit short. That's, that's, what confused, what sort of puzzled me the most, because obviously during the during the game, we had sort of two here. We had Atkin, we had Brown, we had Higano, mm. all on the field at, at sort of one point. So, you know, they've got our packs there who, who can make stuff but just didn't seem to to want to you know happen yeah I think like what Paul said I think it's a case that there's too many hmm. too many halfbacks on the pitch at that time you know who's taking control who's doing what whose job I think it was more a case that we just don't have any bodies you hmm. know and they've just got to fill shirts somehow uh, and at that point in the game 
players were obviously tiring and, you know, you've got to roll them on, roll them on. Remember at one point, I think, uh, was it Higano come on for uh, Paulie Paulie? And I was scratching my head thinking, whoa, hang on, I was, he's not going in the second row, is he? You know, <laughs> he was just shuffling players, you know, all around the park at, at that point. And I think, uh, again, I think he's just tired. And I just want to go back to what Paul said though, about the same bidding with, with Johnson and Smithies. Uh, I, it's, it's aggression. It's an aggressive sport. You start taking that out of the game, you're not got a game. You know that that was it was a ridiculous yellow card for both players. And what he's seen there is what happened last week against Lever Wigan. He just didn't want that that aggro kicking off later in the game. It wasn't that kind of match. It, it was a few, you know a few sort of uh, crosswords and that kind of thing. But it wasn't a bad bad game like that. Uh, I think the referee's just gone over the top a little bit there. Um, but what what I did want to say was that. I think Wigan realised they were in a game and how tough it was because in the second half they had three chances on our line from penalties and they kicked all three even though they were in really good attacking positions. Mm. And I think then they realised that they were going to find it tough to score against us. And obviously I think the Powell try was it that one that came after the Simbin and Vigano so we're down to 12 men. Can't defend forever. You know, and like we've already said the discipline's a, a big problem there. That's not... I don't see that as a major discipline. I think it's just a, a lazy tackle more than anything. That's it, it can happen. But if it hadn't been for that, I think we'd have held them out for a bit longer. Wigan would have won the game, and rightly so. They were, they, they were the better team over 80 minutes. But, uh, yeah, I think we, we kind of got what we deserved for that. But, again, that comes from being probably a little bit tired. And, and again, because we didn't control the ball in the second half, we just kept giving Wigan the ball. Once they start running at you, you know, they've got some big lads out there, some some units in the pack. I think he just took it out of the tank for us. And uh, but for me, I was I was very encouraged and really at the end of the game. You know, I said to I don't, I don't know how many people I was happy. I don't like getting beat, but I was happy with that. The effort was there. We just we just lacked that you know that ten percent that, that we're going to have with quality. With the likes of possibly you know a Jackson Ace things in our side, we'd won that game. So um, a lot of encouragement, a lot of players to come back into that side. Um, and I think I think we should really take that take a lot of credit out of that game. I'm sure if you ask the Wigan players, they they you know they'd say they were in a tough game there. Yeah, I think other positives as well. Ellis Robson, I took it made his debut. Paul, impressive, I thought, in, in his stint. We've, we saw that on the social media, his, his parents with a passionate uh, message about you know what, he, what it means to him, what it means to him. Uh, and he didn't take a backward step. He didn't look out of place. I think when you see sort of the kids coming through, you always have that instinct to think, well, yeah, he's not big enough or he's not quick enough. But Ellis looked the part for me for his 20, 25 minutes there. Yeah, he did. He did. And you know, he's on loan from Warrington, isn't he? And whether Warrington have got ambitions of keeping him, I'm not too sure. But if, if he... If he don't, and, and he wants to come and play for Salford, I, I'd snap him up because yeah. uh, he looks hungry for it. Like he said, he, he's, he's a local guy as well, and that passion there. It was nice to see that video, and uh, and yeah, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. And, and we've had a few players this season, haven't we? The, the, some of the lads we've had off St. Helens. I know um, young Ben Davis. I've been very impressed with him when he's played. I'd love to snap him up next season. And you know, there's, there's probably a lot of players around the St. Helens, Wigan, Warrington side who are fringe players and if, if they're not going to get a game there the, the, the sort of players I'd be looking at because there's some real hot prospects there so so yeah I thought he, uh, you know it's a, a big game for him to make a debut and you know going to, to the DW at Wigan it's uh, you know, it's quite a confrontational atmosphere isn't it a big game you know a big, a big side like Wigan so yeah I think he did really really well yeah, also, uh, Dan Sanderson, Joe Burgess, Parkey, combination on the wing, uh, look pretty sharp. I've always said that Joe Burgess is, is a Rolls-Royce uh, kind of winger. I think if him and Dan Sanderson can, can get together and make stuff happen, we've got a real threat on that side of the field. Well, undoubtedly, as I said before, I think that the, I think the pair of them were magnificent. I really do. Uh, Dan coming back into the side after so long out, and obviously Joe's been in and out a little bit this season. He's not had a lot of game time after his injury early on in the year. Um, I, I thought they were brilliant down that side. I really do. I think a real threat. And I think what, what I noticed, and I don't know if it is the case, whether it was my terrible eyesight or what, but Wiggins' pitch looks a lot wider than ours. I don't know if that's true, but it seemed to have more space out on that wing, you know, on that flank. And if you give him a, you know, a yard, he's going to go. He really is. He, he's rapping. He's shown that a few times. And I think when you look at that, that side and then, I've got, you know, as I said before, I mean, you've got Inu possibly to come back in. You've got Ken Seal to come back in. Uh, Morgan Escaray to go back in there. You've still got the likes of, you know, obviously Costello who's there and 
and, and, and Williams. But our back line, our three quarters, could be terrifying. Really could. And, and them two together, because they will have played together at Wigan, I would have thought as well. They know each other's game. I mean, Dan Sargent, for me, he's one of the, the best English centres, without a doubt. I don't want to see him playing at full-back, I'll be honest with you. Um, but you stick him in the centre, and he, he, he's as good as really anything in this league. And he'll put, he'll set a lot up, because he can get a good offload. He may, you know, he does them half-breaks. You've got a man outside, and the pace of birds, he's going to score a hat full of tries. So, great to see them two together at last. Um, and like I say, get a couple more bodies in then. That back line's really going to scare a few teams. Yeah, it is, it is. Uh, I spoke to Richard Marshall after the game, uh, and this is what we had to say. Coach's corner. Defeat tonight against Wigan talk us through it. Yeah, I thought we started the game reasonably well. Um we uh we, we we got on the front foot. I thought we, we nailed our game plan. We were pretty specific in what we wanted to achieve this week. Um, you know, we, we went in at the break and there was nothing between the two teams. We felt at half time that if we just built a little bit more pressure and, and played in the right area and then lo and behold, we, we can't even get the first set out of the way. Um, yes, so we're just compounding our our uh, our errors at the moment. Um, but our desire, I mean, probably really on the, on, on the big scheme of things, it should have been a 30-point ball game to Wigan, but we just kept defending our line and, and kept turning up for each other. So I'm really pleased off the back of that, which is, probably makes it even a bit more frustrating, if I'm being honest. Yeah, first half was good. Smart play. And with Joe Burgess on the wing with pace to burn, we were good We were good value for that first half lead. Yeah, we were. And it was a nice try, something that we'd spoke about in the week. And we, we, we took a real job on that. Danny Ors, you know, looked at the attack and come up with a real good play there, smart. And, um, and I thought, yeah, we utilised our strengths this week on that left side. Um, but we didn't utilise our, um, our, our discipline. Um, you know that the ten-minute period probably just 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 finished us off. Yeah, obviously two sort of periods of ten minutes down to twelve men. We talk about discipline a lot, uh, but I think you're a bit hard done by this week. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree. I thought there was a couple of calls there within that. Um, I, I'd agree with that. I don't. You know, the Zeds the Zeds in on the floor and, and, and JJ's defending himself again and, uh, and gets Simbin. Uh, there's no excuse for for Atters. It was probably a poor timed, ill ill judged tackle. Um, but the six agains on last plays, you know, they hurt you anyway. Uh, I think we're going to be a bit smarter in and around the rook on that. Yeah, obviously. What what's your plan for, for trying to get the discipline right? Well, we have to have to get fitter uh, because we've got we have to do more work defensively. Um, Oh, yeah, we, we've got to work on our tackle technique. We've got to understand that the implications of of, of giving away penalties. Uh, we've mentioned that multiple times this year. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I think there were some really good signs within the game. Now, our attitude on the whole, I thought, was really good. And, you know, we were focusing on one area here. But, you know, 90% of the game, I thought we went totally one of the, you know, a really good, decent team in the competition, definitely. Yeah, Elijah Taylor and Dan Sargent returned. Both played very well. Yeah, yeah, we've had a couple of lads who've, who've returned from from COVID or injuries. Um, yeah, you could tell they were out on the feet. A couple of them boys were out on the feet. They've not done. You got to bear in mind we've not been in for ten days. We've not. We had two sessions towards this game to get us ready. Obviously, we're going to have had a handful of games and, and, and you know, and a, a fielding a pretty different team to what they fielded against Lee as well. Uh, we've not got them riches. You know, we just we we just got. A, a small squad, um, and we've got to get the best out of the group. Yeah, talk about the best, getting best out of the group. Ellis uh, Roberts come in, you know, with his stint was very impressive. Yeah, Ellis is a, he's a lovely young man, and he's a Salford lad, Salfordian, and loves it, loves the club. Uh, we had a we had a couple of messages from his family and well wishes, and I thought he did a real good job. But again, he got a bit tired, and you know, it's it's a different level, isn't it, the Super League and and playing against Wigan, but. Yeah, he did a real good job for us, and, and, he's, and he's got a bright future within the game. Let's hope you know, it, you know, we, we can get the best out of him over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Huddersfield next up for Salford. Opportunity to play in front of the home fans, uh, and hopefully get a win. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned that uh, be a big game again, big week for for the club for us. Um, yeah, we've yeah we, we had a good game against Huddersfield, albeit again <laughs> we added twelve players, but we managed to come through that game. Um, let's get 13 this week and see how, and see how we can go. So that was Richard Marshall uh, talking to me after the game. Um, 
Parlant, and he was obviously sort of happy the way it started. Uh, but obviously, second half, he said it kind of fell apart a bit. Uh, but he was happy with, with the boys' sort of defensive performance. Um, he was a bit miffed by the Simbins, uh, but he's looking forward to Huddersfield, and, that, and that's the important thing, I suppose. It's all about learning, uh, you know, where, 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 what went wrong and how to improve it for next week. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult at the moment. Just just going back to what Parker was saying then about Sarge and Burgess, I mean, it's hard at the moment this season because you're not getting that consistency. If we could, if if we could get Joe Burgess and Dan Sanchez to play 20 games together, then you'd be absolutely must have wanted to score a try. So I don't know. I think it'd be great once we can get like that that full 17 out. You know that that squad of players. Because I mean, this week we had players coming back like we've just been talking about. But yeah, Ken Seo or Christian Inu missing. So you get some back and then you're hampered by players missing, aren't you? So so yeah, that that must be frustrating for Marshall that because there's an awful lot of potential in that side and. Sometimes you, it's frustrating for him every week. He's got to chop and change it and then bring somebody around or someone's tested positive or this, that and the other. So it must be difficult for him. So, yeah, I, I think you can take a lot of art from that game. I really do. Um, I think the performances over the last, you know, the last month or so, all right, we didn't, we didn't get the bounce of the ball at Leeds and things like that. But I don't think I like the, the effort of the players. I think the effort's been there. And, you know, there has been, like, improvements in the team. This week against Huddersfield is a massive game for us now to see where we're at. Uh, we've got some big games coming up as well against the team sort of in and around us in the table. So uh, I still think there's a lot a lot of work to be done this season and you know, there's, there's some there's some good results we can get out of it as well. So I don't think much of to be too too disheartened. I think his effort there from his players and that I think has been tremendous. Yeah, you talked about how good the defence was, Parker. Great desire and good attitude. And that, and that, I suppose, is a heartwarming thing for a coach that his players that are giving everything they've got. Well, yeah, I mean... we. We defend like that, we're hard to beat. And that's mm. the, you know, if you're hard to beat, you've got a chance in every game. If you can defend as a unit, like we did, I mean, he, might have, he said it himself there in that interview that, you know, Wigan could have got 30. Uh, on, a, on a normal day, you would expect it. The amount of ball they got in that second half and on our line with the penalties and everything else. But as I said before, they respected our defence and decided to take two just to get themselves in the lead. Mm. Um, I, I think Richie can, can, you know, can be very, very content with that. Uh, if we can get the attack right, which he's still lacking, but the, we show we show signs every now and then of doing something, and then it, it falls apart, or we try too hard in attack. But um, just listen to Richie then. He he, um, he sounded. I know he's happy with certain elements, but he sounded really sort of down down about the game. And I didn't. It didn't come across to me like that. That match. We're gonna a, a great side, and don't lose many at home. Let's be honest. I mean, you could probably count up in the last five years how many have lost at home. Probably what five, six games maximum. I would have thought they don't lose at home. They're a top team. They've got real quality in there. I think he should be. I think he should be really, really happy with his team's effort. We still, like we just, we've said a few times, we're still missing players. That's not his seventeen players that were playing there the other night. Brown, Taylor. Sargentson just all coming back into the team at the same time. Danny had it. it. It takes a while. It takes, you know, four or five games to get up to the, the speed of it again. Um, so just listening to him, I thought, I thought he's he, not harsh on his team at all, but he, he should have a bit more bounce about him after that. I think, I know he don't want to lose. The coach never wants to lose, but the amount of times I've been to Wigan and seen him get an absolute pounding, you know, with, with a team that has no excuses. Um, it, uh, I was quite heartened by it, and uh, I think he should be, you know, look forward now. And you know, it's big, like Paul said, they're a big game on on Friday. But we can take a lot of credit out of that. Let's see how many bodies we've got left after Friday night, and uh, and move forward. Maybe, um, Paul, he feels it may be one that got away. Obviously, defence is there. We know how good the defensive, all the, all the hard work they've done in the off season, seems to be coming uh, to fruition now. But you can't defend your way to a win you need someone in that attack to spark and I feel that's an area he needs to be looking at uh, if we want to get to that sort of playoff spot well yeah that I, I, that's what I said before about the Achilles heel of the attack I mean mm. if you take the Castleford game out of the season that's 70 points we scored there I mean I've not done the maths but you get your calculator out on average it how many points we've scored a game this season on average is it about 14, 16 something like that mm. it might even be that that's not enough to win matches you need to be scoring 20 points to, to win a game and if you just scored twenty points against Wigan, you'd have won the game. So one try, it's not it's not testing them, is it? They always had us at arm's length in that second half. When they got in front, you sort of thought, Are we gonna score? Where's our try gonna come from? We weren't really creating anything either. And yeah, I think that's what Richard Marshall needs to do now. He needs to sort out his six and seven. He needs to get that nailed on. And it's difficult. I said it 
when I spoke a minute ago about the about getting that 17 out. I mean, we've got a decent squad, 1-17, to 17, but how many times have we had that 1-17 out, out this season? It's just not happened, and I don't know whether it will happen this season because it's going to carry on, isn't it, where you know players have got to isolate or this, that and the other. It's, it's a difficult situation at the moment. It must be really, really frustrating for him because if he could name that side and get it out, we, we, you can see it on paper. It's a good side, but... Are we ever going to see that side this season? That, that's my only worry, really. So, uh, so yeah, like Parky said, I come away from, from Wigan. Well, were you on Friday night, didn't we? Debated yeah. in the car on the way. Oh, my dad had a moan like he always does. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, it's not a moan. You check your dad was OK. <laughs> he's a perfectionist, isn't he? He's a perfectionist. But, yeah. uh, but, no, I think we all know the effort was there, didn't we? Um, yeah. And But, like Parky just said, I think there was a chance there, I thought it was a case of one getting away. I thought we was in with a chance of winning there. I wasn't expecting something before the game. Then leading 6-4 at Arsenal, I thought, yeah, yeah, we have got a chance here. Then that second half was a bit of a bit of a lead balloon, really, wasn't it? I mean, it, we were disappointed. We never really looked like scoring. We gave three silly penalties away. They scored six points from it and then the, the game's drifted away and it's 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 annoying that, really, you know, when you could have had a, had a famous win. Looking at the stats, uh, top tacklers, Taylor 43, Andy Akers 47, Armand Roy 28, Mossop 27 and Levette 27, Parker. You know, a lot of hard work there from Akers uh, and uh, Elijah Taylor uh, with the top 40s tackling there. Yeah, uh, it, it's funny actually. Um, I mean, it's great to see Taylor back and that we know that's what he does, tackles for fun, doesn't he? Before his injury, that's... That's what he was doing 40, 50 tackles every week. And mm. as good as that is, and you know, you can't you're not gonna take that off him. It's gonna burn him out. And again, like Paul said, at the end of the game he was blowing. He was, you know, he was shattered the ball that he's not played for what, I don't know, two months, is it? Something I don't I don't even know how long. Somebody else has got to pick up that baton as well. And I know you, you you know, you mentioned other players there, but when he comes back, he, He's got to be a little bit more. We've got to protect players a little bit more when it gets to that. And um, that, that you know, that mate Ian, who I was sat with at the game, he he, he sort of commented that he didn't he didn't think he was doing much. He didn't think Taylor was in the game. You know, he won't be. He won't be with a ball. He's got he's got real qualities as a ball handling forward, but he's probably out on his feet half the time doing all them tackles. Somebody's got to step up and take them them extra tackles off him. And I know again we have players missing. I know it's, it seems an obvious excuse, but I think. You know, when he goes back to loose forward, which hopefully he will do, them two other, whoever the two back rowers are that take them them places, have got to work the socks off for him and help him out a bit because he can't do that. He's, you know, again, he's not he's not old, but he's not, and he's, you know, he's not exactly prime at the moment. And just take a little bit of pressure off him, but that's a lot of work for one man to do. And uh, but hopefully, hopefully we can get that right and get more ball control and not have to do as much tackling. But I'll see the best of Elijah Taylor yet. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, what's called, was he called? Adamson. Um, Paul. Tackled, tackled above his weight, tackled all the time, but Luke did Adamson. too much tackling and didn't really see too much with the ball in his hands. And that's McKenna worry uh, with Elijah Taylor. Um, if he's pulling out 40, 50 tackles every, every game, uh, he's not going to be able to do much with the ball, which is, which is a problem for Richard Marshall because he's part of our sort of um, spine of the team and he needs to be that extra pivot but he can't be doing that if he's sort of blowing in the background when we're attacking No, other players have got to step up and do the work haven't they and a couple of players I name them but there was, there was one I thought on Friday night who didn't do a lot of tackling and he didn't spend much time on the pitch to be honest and they've all got to do it you've all got to do the work and it's funny because I, I seen Elijah Taylor walking off at the end and um, he was like the last one to go off. The lights had actually gone off and it was dead dark and you could just see him wandering off at the end and he was absolutely knackered. I mean, he's like, where are all my teammates gone? They've all buggered off. But he, he just looked like an absolute broken man the amount of work he'd done. And to me, you can't like have a go at anybody for that. That That is like a warrior, isn't it? With the, what he puts into the game. And I think he's lost quite a bit of weight from what Richard Marshall has said. He's come back in there and to, to play that whole game against a, a big Wigan pack as well. There's some big players in that. You know, like Tony Club, he's, he's absolutely massive. And uh, some of those other Wigan forwards, I think the, uh, what's the other lad called? That Liam Byrne, there's another guy as well. Bullock, I thought he played really well for Wigan. He's huge. So he had a lot of tackling to do there. And yeah, the, the rest of the guys have got to step up as well and, and, and do the business with him. You can't just, just leave it to the, the same people all the time. So when he has got that pressure taken off him, then he can start doing a bit more with the ball. But he's going to be absolutely goose. Yeah. Talking about the the metres, uh, Parker, uh, Burgess, 188. 
Uh, Johnson 74, Dan Tadge 144, Armand Royd 77, and Harvey Levet with 68. Uh, Josh Johnson 74, Armand Royd 77. I always say we'll try and get over 100, uh, but against a big Wigan pack, it's a good effort. That, yeah, again, we did we didn't have enough ball, did we, to make meters? You know, we might as well write that last 40 minutes off as we weren't making any. You know, if it wasn't coming from, like you said, their Burgess and uh. And Sargent's so running the ball back out from, mm. you know, from them kicking down the pitch or whatever, or running it off from dummy hand. Um, we didn't, we didn't have any possession. We, we weren't going to make many meters. Uh, and credit to Wigan, you know, their defense was was solid and they forced errors. We didn't, you know, we didn't just drop the ball. Um, so yeah, obviously not as many meters from the forwards as we'd like. But again, like I like just said, there we just had this discussion. If forwards are doing all that tackling. I don't know just gas they've got in the tank to, to go forward and make yeah. real metres and break True. tackles, you know, and that's that's tough. And um, I know we'll go on to it shortly, but when you've got, you know, players who clearly aren't fit and um, probably shouldn't be playing, that doesn't help either. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, overall, we can, we, we can look at stats and so on, but as an overall performance, I'm, I was happy with it. And uh, if we play like that most weeks... I don't think there'll be too many unhappy fans and I think we'll win more games going forward now than we'll lose. Yeah, looking at you. Big thanks for the three-word match reports of Man of the Matches. Uh, Mark Scott, great defensive effort. Sargentson, uh, Stuart Smart, ill-disciplined Costos Burgess. Uh, SR, ill-discipline again at Burgess. Lee Maddox, Burgess. And finally, Lee Maddox again. He went happy with the referee. Um, do you think the referee was a bit off, uh, Paul? Um, not really yeah, I, I, I never really blame referees I, I don't know I, I didn't agree like we were, me and Parky were saying before about the Simbi I thought I don't think that's just that referee Tom Grant on um, Friday night I think he's a fairly new referee to be honest with you no I didn't think he'd, he did an awful lot wrong to be honest but it, I think it's a cultural thing within the game now with referees I think they've just become a bit I don't know, for want of a better word a bit mad for me it's mm. you know it's rugby league it's you know, you watch the state of origin and, and, and things like that. The referees just seem to be a bit more, a bit more tougher. They, they let the game flow. It's rugby. It's like, like I said before, it's not, it's not the British Bake Off. It's you know, and, or playing cricket or cucumber sandwiches and all that sort of stuff. It's rugby league. It's a physical sport. It's um, you're gonna get physical contact. You, you're gonna get people knocking into each other and people saying, "Oh, you, you, you hit me there, I'll whack you," and that sort of thing. So. I think the referees have got to understand that, and it's not a yellow card every time somebody has a bit of fisticuffs with someone. So, because the supporters love that as well, we all love that. It gets us all off our chairs, doesn't it? And that's what we go to the game for. So, so yeah, I, I, I've got no axe to grind against the referee. I didn't think he was particularly bad, to be honest. But I never really noticed referees. I don't. Know, I, I do notice sometimes social media people bag him off every week. Don't say, oh, he's terrible on that and this that, and the other. But I don't know. I try to just I try to watch the game and and, and ignore the referee if you can, really. Yeah, I think you you don't. There's no game about the referees. They're only human. No, they will make will will make mistakes. Um, but you just open, you get sort of more than you don't. But it depends which way you look at it. Some people get paranoid and think we don't get as much as we should. Um, but it is the way it is. We don't have a game without them, Parker. I think they need a bit more help. I think video referees should be at every game. I think we should have in goal judges and touchline judges. The more eyes on the prize, uh, the better. The more decisions you get right. Well. You, you just took the words out of my mouth, really. He needs more help. There was an incident in the second half where I don't know if it was Hanley on the wing, uh, Ellery's lad, and uh, he dropped the ball from the kick. And uh, I don't think the referee was given it. I think the linesman gave that we were offside. And I was actually in line with it as it happened. Um, and we weren't offside. The players that were offside weren't involved. You know, they, they'd stayed out of the, the actual tackle that was coming up. So when, when we got, well, we weren't within that 10. Incidents like that where we were struggling to make ground, then we get in there half and the referee or linesman as it was give a decision like that. You're thinking, yeah, how the referee's going to get the flack for that, but it wasn't, he didn't call it, you know, somebody's called it on his behalf. And I think they do need more help. Um, video refs every game might help, but this isn't there always an extra official setting the stand reviewing everything at a game? Can we, can we not, even if it's just for you know, a 20 second, can you just look at that? that incident while we're on the run you know while we're still playing you you look at that and then we can go back if we have to something like that because it's not the referee can't see everything you know I, I, I've thanked referees this year a few times and I think there are I think the refereeing standards are lower than than they've been let's just say that and even though they're all full time but 
they can't see everything. They can't be everywhere. This stuff goes on off the ball that they rely on a linesman to see. And a lot of time, I think in the lines or lines people, whatever, they seem a bit scared of, of getting involved. And then they'll get involved in something trivial or, you know, I don't know. Um, and like Paul said, it, it does become a, it's becoming a bit, they are becoming a bit soft. Hmm. Uh, the, the incident where both, yeah, just, you know, I just want to talk about the fans. I thought they were, uh, I thought they were magnificent on Friday night from, from start to finish. You know, the full 80, they, they got behind the team so well. Um, it, it was great to be back involved and having that, that buzz around me and seeing, you know, all the faces. It's been a, been a, obviously a while um, for, for an away game for me, uh, just recently. Um, but no, the, the noise they made, the, the way they got behind the team, they backed them at tough times in the game as well. And um, I think the players really appreciated it looking at the end of the game. I know they always come over and give you a little clap or whatever, but I think there was an extra effort from them to, to come over to, to see us. And um, yeah, I, I just wanted to give the fans a big a big shout for that because support like that when you're getting beat is... He's pretty special, I think. Uh, and I know, I know we we all like things. I think it's just a way of getting over depression most of the time. They, they were magnificent. I think every single one of them should uh, give themselves a pat on the back. Yeah, fantastic. Always uh, fantastic. Uh, Paul, our, our fans, they make some ma- magical noise. Uh, obviously, when I'm in the commentary box, I'm, I'm in a good position. I can hear uh, them singing all the songs. Uh, and it's uh, obviously the players appreciate the the noise, make some, uh, give them that extra 10%. Yeah, it does. I was sat with, with my dad in the, the away end and um, I, I dumped you in the commentary box, didn't I? He I, did. I swapped you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, uh, no, it was good. It was good to be in that stand. And like Park said, they never stopped singing for the whole game. And, and they were giving it the Wigan supporters as well. I thought they showed the Wigan supporters up a bit, really. You know, uh, they, they didn't really... No, I think Salford supporters are like that. They, they, you could be losing 50 nil and they, they still get behind the team because it's just the, the way they've been brought up, isn't it? So, uh, so yeah, but, but like Park said, it was great to be back in the, the stands and, and just seeing faces, you know, and, and chatting to people and that. It's, uh, you really miss that side of the, of the game, I think, when... Um, when we've not been going to matches or they've been behind closed doors or whatever, and you miss that sort of family of the of the sport. So I, I really enjoyed that sort of social side of it on Friday night. Yeah, it was it was was very good. I'm sure there'll be many more uh, to come. Uh, so that's uh, our look back at the uh, Wigan defeat, and next we'll look at all the big news uh, coming out of the club this week. So let's start uh, with uh, Lee Mossop who's announced his retirement uh, with immediate effect uh, Parker due to injury. Uh, what a leader he's been uh, for us and a player. Fantastic. Unfortunately, injury has ended his career with us. I, I don't know where to start. I, I don't know how to how to give him the credit that he deserves. As a leader, as a captain, he's been, he has led from the front. He has led by example. He's uh, done something I didn't think I'd seen in my lifetime. He's, he's led a team out. Uh, not only at Old Trafford for that that magnificent grand final, but the cup final, Challenge Cup final. He's he's been pivotal in everything that's gone on at this club, and I think he's brought on a playing side a level of professionalism to the changing rooms that I think other players. You see the response today on Twitter, certain things like that from other players. How much he, he's led that club, um, and he, he mentions in his his little sort of speaks there how much he, he, he he's the club he loves now. Um, I've got. I, I can't hide, uh, give the guy enough credit. I really can't. He's been. Uh, he has been a special leader, and I think the word gets branded about probably a little bit too much. But I honestly believe he is a legend. I think he is a Salford legend for what he achieved in this. It's only it's only five years. It's not ten, fifteen. You know, it's nothing like that. But what we've achieved as a club in that time, and with him as as captain. I know he was joint captain for a, for a couple of years or whatever, but. To come through what he came through with that shoulder injury, and you know, I've got to give him Watson a lot of credit for that, for getting him into the club, giving him belief that you know he he can still rebuild his career. And I think towards the back end of 2019, for me, he could have gone into an into an international team. He'd been that good that year. Him and Gil Dudson at prop were were, were outstanding, and uh, he's going to be very very difficult to replace. Not just as a prop forward, you know, and a good player, but as a captain. Uh, I, I like I say I can't speak highly enough of him. I'm so disappointed for the lad, but he, he's uh, he's got the rest of his life to live. You know, his family and his health come first, and 
he's just got to look after himself now. It's a shame it's come to this, but again, you saw Friday night. You know, he didn't he didn't stop working, even though he he already knew that it was probably over at that point. I think he'd been to see the doctors last week, and they basically told him. Um, so it's an act way for him to to probably end as well, being away at Wigan, where obviously he had great success as well. Won the grand final with him. I think he might have won a Challenge Cup maybe with him. Certainly played for England during his spell there. Um, what what a superb player! I, I like I said, I don't I, I don't know how to put into words how, how grateful I am as a fan for having to you know being able to watch somebody like that. Um, you know, big a big Cumbrian who came down and played you know played for Wigan and all of a sudden Salford's his love and and he's shown it on the pitch for me and uh, I just wish him all the best. Yeah, captain does to a to a grand final. Uh, Paul, who can you know who can forget his uh, his one his great try against Wigan in, in the semi final. Um, you know, soul fans, every soul fan, you know, you were there. You can remember that that moment, the tears streaming down our faces. Um, captain does to to the Challenge Cup final as well. Um, he'll he'll will be remembered as one of our great captains. That I feel, uh, and it'll be a it's a blow that is left. Uh, but obviously, how his health is the most important thing. Yeah, I couldn't believe he'd only played 70-odd matches in five years. Mm. I thought he played a lot more than that. And I think that just goes to show that he's struggled with injury, hasn't he? He's probably not played at half as many games as he would have liked to have done. But just going back to this injury, I don't think he's just been told last week about that shoulder. He's probably been told a long while ago about that shoulder and he's just kept on going as long as he could. Um, and I think he's got to that point now where it's probably unbearable pain that he's in. I mean, you look at his, his routine over the last few years where he's been warming up on his own before games and that he must have been going through the pain barrier big time. And you can only you can only admire that, really. I mean, he's probably been having injections and, and, and all sorts. I mean, I think if you probably asked his wife what he's like the day after the match, it's probably awful, the pain that he's in getting up. And, and, and you, can, you, can't, you can't imagine it, what they go through in, in 80 minutes and if they, they're struggling as well because... I don't know. I don't know Lee Mossop personally, but I think when he came back from Australia, he's having problems with his shoulder, and that's a long while ago, isn't it? Mm. And to go through all that and, and carry on the way he has done, leading us and, and taking us to a grand final, to a cup final, yeah, I can't echo what back. He said, I can't give him any more um, attributes than what he's done. Absolute legend of the club, and uh, be ever grateful. And I'm just, I'm just disappointed he didn't get to have his send off in a home game, you know, in front of the, the crowd at the AJ Bowl. But what I did notice on Friday night, my dad said the same thing to me. He came over to the fans and he was clapping them a lot longer than what people normally do. And it sort of, he put it into place then when he spoke to me today saying that must have been why, because he, he announced that. So, uh, so yeah, great, great guy. And I think he's been tremendous for us and he'll, he'll be remembered for a, for a very long time. Yeah, we, we, we had a pop-up podcast with him. Uh, I think it was in the off-season, talked about his career at Wigan and his career in Australia and how much uh, problems he's had with his shoulders uh, through his career and how Ian Watson uh, kind of, sort of took him under his wing and started to believe in himself a bit more started enjoying rugby league again uh, and he's been here for five years now came in 2017 up to now played 79 games scored seven tries uh, what a warrior he's been uh, yeah big thanks for, for for everything you've done for us lee uh, thanks for the memories uh, and we hope that you you know you enjoy your your, your retirement uh, don't forget there is a testimonial dinner he's having a testimonial dinner on the, on the 28th of august uh, which will be which will be great if you could attend that for him uh, adrian marley's there jamie moore's there anthony carolla's there um that'll be fantastic uh, evening uh, for everyone to enjoy uh, parker yeah, um, do, do you have any more details on that? I, I know I've seen it, but I just, I'm just thinking now while I'm writing down. Do you have a, do you have a, yeah, I've a got, I've got get the pen now. Get everyone else get the, get the pen while you're there. Uh, 28th of August, Adrian Marley, Jamie Moore, Anthony Carolla. It's £100 per person or 900 quid for a table. So, uh, yeah, uh, contact. I suppose you'd have to go through the club or you can go through. I know there's a... Lee Mossop is on Instagram testimonial, so you can you can find him on there if you want to sort of book a ticket uh, for the event. It will be uh, it will be well worth going to if you can. Yeah, okay. very much so. Um, I, yeah, I hope he's you know it's a shame again it's happening in his testimonial year and all. It's, mm. um, hopefully, it might give him a bit more time to focus and you know sort of, uh, put a few more events or maybe something that all the fans can get to at the end of the year or something. It'd be you know it'd be nice for him. Uh, I hope. He, it's you know plenty of money to, to help him through. I know he's giving he's giving half to, to charity or something. I mean, there, there you go again. It's a homeless charity that's based. I think 
based in Salford and he's doing something for the homeless or something. He, back up in, you know, his native Cumbria. Well, you know, it speaks volumes of a guy. I think uh, even if you're not a Salford fan, as a rugby league fan, I don't think there's anybody who wouldn't respect him for, for what he's done as a player. And, and now he's, he's, you know, proving what he does off the pitch. And I hope, I hope he stays involved in the game because he'll have a lot of knowledge to pass on. Uh, and his leadership qualities are something, you know, not everybody's bred with. And he, he, hopefully he can, you know, give that, pass that on to somebody else, someone in the youth or whatever going forward. Um, but yeah, whatever he does, as I say, just just wish him all the best. Yeah. Uh, other big news. Uh, new signing alert. Uh, Paul, Brody Croft, he signed on a two-year deal. Uh, 24-year-old, come from the NRL, ex-Brisbane Broncos, ex-Melbourne Storm. He's, wor- he's won the World, Champion- World Club Championships uh, in 2018 and lost the grand final with Storm. So this guy has good pedigree. He's not quite ex-Brisbane yet. He's still at Brisbane for this season. Yeah, but he still, will be. Still, he's still playing for them at the moment. And he's still, he's still in their side as well. And, and I believe he's doing all right. I mean, I don't watch as much NRL as I should do, but I know my dad does and he listens to a lot of it on the radio as well. And um, he was impressed when he, when he said about about Croft. He said, you know, he's he's not just a make-weight. He's in their side. Now, I know Brisbane Broncos aren't the Brisbane Broncos. They were a couple of years ago. They've been struggling a bit this season. But having said that, if you parachuted them into Super League, I, th- I still think they'd do pretty well, wouldn't they? Probably the top, top two or three, wouldn't they? So, uh, so I think it's a great signing. And, it, and not only that, he's not he's not a guy that's coming over who's like 32, 33 year old for a bit of a payday. He's 24, and to me, he's obviously got a point to prove. He wants to come over here and stick two fingers up to people over there, you know, a bit like Jackson Hastings did. You know, I've got a point to prove. I'm here. You know. I, I can I can do this, and if he's got that attitude, then that's that's that could be dangerous. I mean, look at Hastings, how, how good he was for us. So it's an exciting sign, it really is. And I'm just hoping Richard Marshall now can can find a partner for him, whether it's somebody we've already got at the club now, or whether it's somebody he brings in. I'm not too sure what's going to happen there. I'm, I'm sure he'll know all that, and he'll have worked all that out, and have, have people in mind. I think there's some good guys at the club, or isn't there? Like so Chris Atkin, who's there, and. We don't know who else is moving on. I know Chris is under contract, so would he make a good partner? I'm not too sure. I hope so. So, uh, so yeah, but it's an exciting signing for us, definitely. Yeah, looking at the stats, Parker, uh, 66 appearances, 15 tries, 9 goals. He's got 3 assists, 5 uh, line breaks, and he's got a 75% kick success uh, ratio, which is which is pretty good. Listen, I've, I've watched a lot of NRL over the last... I don't know how many years. Um, I remember this kid coming on the scene at Melbourne. And from from what I recall, he, he was going to be the next big thing. You know, I mean, you, I, I, I don't care if you've watched NRL or not, you know that Melbourne Stone are magnificent. They are an unbelievable side, one of the greatest sides ever put together, possibly over the last five, six, seven years, whatever. He has led that team before he. To be part of that squad, is something special. You, you, they're not. You're not going to be a dummy. Believe me, you've got to be a good player. He went to Brisbane. Uh, he, he's done. He's done well. But I think his relationship with the manager there, uh, Walters, is is rocky. Let's say that. And and there's been problems at, at Brisbane for the last couple of years, on and off. I think he picked players out every now and then who's to blame or who's in favour, who's not. This kid, this kid will. If it worked, he will light up Super League. He he's. He's probably more advanced on on, the, on his ladder than Jacko was when he arrived. This kid, this kid, he's he, he's he's a special player. He really is. Uh, I'm blown away by the fact that we've got him. I'm absolutely buzzing. I know the face is insane at the moment. But I'm just trying to think that he we we fought off from what I believe, uh, and I, I could be wrong, but I think we fought off three NRL clubs and two of our own Super League clubs. Um, for this guy's signature from uh, from the club, you know, Bleasy obviously chasing him down and that kind of thing. Paul King, you know, obviously backing us again. Uh, what I, I can't again, what a player, what an absolute star. And if it does work, and like I say, will light up Super League, and we get a decent, you know, seventeen on the pitch every week, we might have another man of steel contender in our ranks because that's I, I rate him that highly. And people say, well, he's out of form form or he's, he's this at Brisbane he's like, I think we're forgetting the difference between the NRL and Super League like Paul said Brisbane might be struggling the Bulldogs have been awful for a couple of years at the bottom of that league they'd easily finish in the top two in Super League so 
you know, let's, you've got to put it in context of how good these players are. And uh, I, I think other clubs in the Super League will be looking at us now going, hang on a minute, how have they managed that? And they're looking over the shoulders a little bit. It's a great signing, really is, and a great step forward for us. And hopefully that's that opens the door for other players coming through now. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what he brings uh, to the to the club uh, next season. Final bits of news: uh, Dan Norman, he's returned uh, from Saints uh, on a week's loan, so he's going to be in contention uh, for the Huddersfield game this week. It was two wins out of four for our under-15 Rising Stars uh, yesterday. What the Reds won twenty nil against the Bradford Bulls and sixteen six against the Huddersfield Giants, but the Blacks went down to defeat uh, twenty points to four and one drew ten all against Bradford Bulls. So, uh, yeah. Good performances all around. Uh, these lads are the future. And the final bit of news is the Walk of Hope uh, will take place on the 22nd of August. Uh, it's basically the walking from the AJ Bell uh, to the Lee Sports Village. It's 9.2 miles and they're doing it fundraising for our captain, Lee Mossop's Chosen Charities, which is Kids Scan, Hospice at Home, West Cumbria and Two Brews. So uh, try and try and get behind that contact james hoskison on twitter it's at hoskison underscore james uh, for more details and uh, and hopefully there'll be lots of money raised for the three charities that's all the big news uh, this week and now we're going to look at uh, what's happening with the am- amateur scene uh, with uh, paul whiteside Right, well, here is this week's Devil in the Detail amateur report, and we shall start this week, as we always do, with the National Conference Leagues. In League C, plenty of action at the weekend. Rochdale Mayfield had another good win. They beat Clockface Miners by 26 points to 14. Saddleworth Rangers against Waterhead Warriors. That was a cracking match, that. Waterhead Warriors 22-12 by halftime, and they just about clung on in the end, winning that one 26 points to 22. Oldham St. Anne's were beaten at Wollstone Rovers, though, by 28 points to 10. That league's leaves... Leeds C, sorry, with Crossfields at the top. Mayfield are second with five from nine. Clockface, Miners, Wollstone, Oldham St. Anne, Saddleworth, and Waterhead Warriors are at the bottom of that table. The fixtures for this weekend, Saturday the 14th of August, League C, Clockface, Miners play Waterhead Warriors, Saddleworth Rangers at home to Crossfields, and Oldham St. Anne's face Rochdale Mayfield. Well, moving on to the Northwest Men's League, there's not a lot to write home about this week. Quite a lot of no results and games postponed for one reason or another. But in Division 2, West Orton Lions had another good win. They beat Wigan St. Pat's A by 29 points to 6. In Division 3, Rochdale Mayfield A, Wollstone Rovers A, 22. Rochdale Mayfield A, 4, sorry, Wollstone Rovers A, 22. In Division 5, North and West, Liverpool St. Helens 0, Higginshaw A, 60. The fixtures for this week, Division 1, Latchford Albion play Berry Broncos. These games are all Saturday the 14th of August. Also in Division 1, it's Widnes Moorfield Tigers against Oldham St. Anne's A. Division 2, Folly Lane are at home to Thato Heath Crusaders B. Pilkington Rex A face West Horton Lions. Wigan Springview are at home to Caddy Z Rhinos. In Division 3, Colcheth Eagles play Rochdale Mayfield A. Division 4, Langwith Reds are at home to Higginshaw. Division 5, North and West, it's Higginshaw A against Blackpool Stanley. And finally in Division 5, South and East, Bolton Mets are at home to Ashton Bears A. Salford City Roosters A face Intros Bridge A and Waterhead Warriors A are at home to Runcorn. And finally this week, turning our attention to life outside Super League as we always do. I know it's not amateur news, but uh, you know the, the, the leagues outside Super League are pretty exciting this season and we'll, we'll speak about them now. Betfred Championship, it was uh, another uh, another big weekend this weekend. It was round 16 in the Betfred Championship. Batley Bulldogs, 13. Featherstone Rovers, 28. Batley led that game at 13 points to 12 at half-time, so I'm not sure whether they were playing up the slope in the second half, but Featherstone Rovers coming away with the result in the end to keep them uh, keep the pace on, on Toulouse, who stay top of the table. Halifax Panthers 14, Newcastle 12. London Broncos 6, Toulouse Olympic 66. Another massive win for Toulouse Olympic, who are now 11 from 11. And uh, look like they're uh, look like them, those in Featherstone are going to really challenge for that title now. But you can't see anybody beating Toulouse Olympic at the moment. They're looking uh, pretty formidable. So Winter Lions got another good result after their win last weekend. They backed it up with a draw, 22 points apiece at home to... Oldham 
Uh, it was 12-0 to Oldham at half time. It was a late try from from Meadows for uh, for Swinton that got them the uh, got them the draw in the end. So a good result for Swinton Lions. And a big crowd there as well at Awood Road. It's over 1,500 there for that match. Whitehaven they beat Dewsbury Rams by 20 points to 18 to keep their good run of form going. York City Knights had a good win. They beat Widnes Vikings by 34 points to 20 coming back from a 2012 half time deficit. The match between Bradford Bulls and Sheffield Eagles was postponed. Betfred. League 1, round 13, Barrow, they beat Hunslet 40 points to 10. Coventry Bears 16, North Wales Crusaders 32. Keithley Cougars 18, Workington Town 22. London Scholars 34, Rochdale Hornets 38. But probably the result of the weekend in all of Rugby League, to be honest with you. West Wales 24, Doncaster 24. Look, I do a bit of betting myself. And looking at that at the, at the weekend, West Wales Raiders had a 60-point start going into that game. Just shows you how favoured Doncaster were. You know, Doncaster third top, West Wales are bottom with uh, 12 defeats from 12 matches. And they were leading that game 18 points to four at half-time West Wales and were really unfortunate not to win. A last-minute drive for Doncaster saved them a draw, but credit to West Wales. And, you know, great to get them the, themselves off, uh, off the mark with a draw. So uh, congratulations to them. Great result. So the fixtures for this week in the Championship, it gets underway on Saturday the 14th of August. Featherstone Rovers play York City Knights. That's a six o'clock kickoff. Newcastle Thunder play Bradford Bulls at five o'clock. Toulouse Olympic face Halifax Panthers. That's a six o'clock Central European time kickoff. Betfred League One. West Wales Raiders play Workington Town at three o'clock. The rest of the games are played on Sunday. These are all three o'clock kickoffs in the Championship. Dewsbury face Widnes. Sheffield play Oldham. Swinton Lions are at home again to Batley Bulldogs and Whitehaven face London Broncos. In Betfred League One. Hunslet face London Scholars, Keithley Cougars at home to Coventry Bears, North Wales Crusaders face Barrow, and there's a match at Spotland as well, Rochdale Hornets face Doncaster, so some uh, some intriguing ties there for you as well. Barrow Raiders still top of the championship with uh, 10 wins from 12 games, Toulouse Olympic as I said, they're uh, top of the uh, Sorry, Barrow at top of the League One, sorry. Toulouse Olympic at top of the championship with 11 from 11. So there's some uh, some intriguing contests and uh, we'll, we'll keep you up to date throughout this, the rest of the season to see how, uh, how the league's finished. But uh, that's all I've got for you this week. Enjoy your rugby league this week and enjoy the Salford game on Friday night. Salford Huddersfield is a 7.30 kick-off. Rob will be telling you all about that on the podcast, but I shall catch you next week. So that was Paul's amateur scene and uh, next up we'll look at the big game against Huddersfield on Friday night. <laughs> So, Salford at home to Huddersfield, the return of Ian Watson. Paul, excited? Yeah, I'm not really worried about Watson, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it's Richard Marshall's Salford team now, isn't it? and it's all about us winning that game. Uh, I know the supporters are going to probably have a bit of uh, beef for Watson, but for me, it's all about us getting the win. It's all about us getting the victory and uh, that all comes with it, doesn't it? And I think that's what makes sport. You know, uh, Luke Yates is going to be there as well. And I think that's just going to add to the, the spice to the occasion. And, and yeah, you're going to be excited by stuff like that because it's little stories like that in sport that, that make sport what's so, so great, don't they? And rivalries and, and people coming back to clubs and, and returning and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, I expect uh, Mr Watson to get a bit of an hostile reception. Uh, I don't know about a bit of a mixed bag for him because he did a good job at Salford, didn't he? So there's uh, there's two sides to that coin. But I'm excited for the game. Um, I think Huddersfield have won the last three and they've been they've had a bit of an upturn in form. I've been very, very impressed with Leon Price's lad, Will Price, mm-hmm. who's been playing for him. He's looked, um, looked a real star. And I mean, it's funny really because when um, Ian Watson went to, um, to Woodersfield, a lot of talk was about the young players that they had and I looked at the side and it all seemed to, to evolve around Aidan Caesar and, and these, these sort of big names and they've been injured. I think they've had a few injuries and they brought some of these kids and it's the kids that have actually been getting them the results. So, um, so yeah, so I'm excited for the game. I think it's going to be a good night and, um, and yeah, <laughs> I'm just interested to see what, what sort of reception Yates and what I'll get. Yeah, the ninth in the league, 35% win ratio at Parkett, the top of the marker tackles and the average gains, but we're ahead of them in the metres, the assists, the tackles and tackle bursts. So both sides are quite evenly matched, but even though we played them at Huddersfield and won, it's going to be a tough contest. I think, I think it's a great, uh, a great match-up between the two. Um, obviously, if we win, this week and we, we go above them and we'll still have a game in hand you know it's a great opportunity for us again 
Um, I'm sure that he, I'm sure the occasion won't be lost on the players, even though Richard Marshall will try and take that out of them. You know, a lot of the players that even signed for this year were Ian Watson signings. They thought they were signing for Ian Watson Salford, not Richie Marshall. So that maybe they've got a point to prove as well. Um, if if we get our players back that we, we think would, would start the game, I'm supremely confident we can we'll turn them over. I know they've been winning, but they've been they've been a bit scratchy for this field. Uh, and I, I like what Paul said about Pricey lad. He, he reminds me of his dad so much, his running style that he holds the ball out in front of his steps and he I mean the amount of times that Leon Price destroyed us for Saints and, and Bradford is is alarming it's every funny. time he plays. So if you if you like his dad, you know, we, we could be in trouble. Um but yeah, I think you know, you I say you've got Yates, uh, you've got Jones as well in the in, in their pack. Um but I, I think we've got more than enough for him. I really do. I mean that last week Wakefield, quite frankly, from what I saw, threw the game away. You know, they were eighteen four up after twenty odd minutes and got beat and that seems it seems a bit ridiculous. You you play sensible from there, you take a drop goal every now and then or whatever. You win the game, just see it out. And I know Chris Chester was obviously fuming with Wakefield, although he seems to be fuming with somebody every week. So that's you know he's much, he's an angrier man than me. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a cracking game. Really, do the atmosphere will be as Paul's pointed out. You know, with Watto coming back and everything else, it, I think it's crackling. I really do, and it's our first time. Hopefully, we can get a good, you know, a decent crowd back in. And uh, as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, that the, the noise that we made at Wigan, we bring that to an own game with a few, you know. A few thousand more there. I think it's been a great night, one that you just don't want to miss. Um, the foot, you know, under the floodlights and all. It's going to be great to be back, sort of, um, in a normal environment, watching a game like this. I think this is what Super League's all about. Yeah, obviously, hopefully, no COVID positives. Full week of training. Uh, Paul, players will be fired up, ready to go. Um, obviously, last week against Wigan, defense was good. Attack needed some work. Hopefully, they've had a week to sort that out. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, attack's a big one this week. Uh, as I mentioned before, that that Will Price has been playing his other half-back partner, Russell mm-hmm. uh, Oliver Russell. He's he's another youngster as well. I've been impressed with. So those two are, are, have sort of gelled well together. So you look at Huddersfield's side; they've probably got points in them. They've got some decent backs, haven't they? But uh, no, I like I think we can match them from from one to thirteen. There's no doubt about that. Um, for me, we've just got. To, I, I don't know what the answer is. I think we've just got to be a bit more direct. <clears throat> Just run a bit more direct and, and just see what we can play off that. We need a we're good good spell from the forwards. They've got a decent pack. And if you if you think back to the game a couple of months ago at, at Huddersfield, it was a a war in the two packs really. Went toe to toe with each other, didn't they? It was a, a real a real battle. So I think you're going to get that again. They're going to come and, and have a go at us, aren't they? And, and be aggressive. I think they'll be aggressive again. And I think that'll be what those tactics. But uh, but no, it, it does. You think about it, and, and these are sort of games that you live for, aren't they? This sort of stuff, this sort of rivalry, and you know. The, the return of somebody so yeah I'm really looking forward to it especially that with the restrictions well anybody can go I, I just really hope that the public of Salford get behind it and you know let's just probably get out there this week on social media and let people know about this lad we've signed for next season and really sort of drum it up and drum the excitement up because obviously that's for next season but there's still a lot of rugby league to be played this season isn't there so uh, so yeah I, I, I'm excited I can't wait for, uh, for I've got a day off work as well so I'm really <laughs> looking forward to it <laughs> Score prediction Parker uh, Just thinking about that um, I'll say 24-12 to Salford. 24-12. There's a story behind that. Uh, all our three quarters will score. Ooh. So the two wings and two centres will score tries. And if anyone's playing, he will bang over all four goals. Good, good. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, Paul, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go Salford 16, Huddersfield 14. Uh, story behind that. Um... Yeah, Sam Luckley to score the winning try and do his Alan Shearer uh, celebration <laughs> all around the pitch. <laughs> I was hoping he was going to save that for uh, St. James's Park, but uh, but I, no, I, I don't know, mate, to be honest with you. I, I just want him to, just to win the game. Um, I think, yeah, a cliffhanging sort of last minute try would be, it'd be, it'd be great, wouldn't it? But uh, but no, I'll just take a win. What's the weather going to be like? Um, let's have a look. Have a look. Yeah. It's like, I've got my iPhone and have a look. It's like, uh, it's like BBC weather. 
Forty percent chance of rain, mate. Seven, uh, nineteen, and twelve. So, oh, good. Well, seventeen degrees, won't it? So it's not going to be red hot, is it? So uh, perfect conditions, I'd say. And that pitch at the AJ Bell, as I say mm. in my reports every week, is always immaculate, isn't it? Yeah, it does. I think Matt works really hard on that pitch. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go Salford to win. I'm going to go thirty-six ten. Thirty-six ten, and I'm going to go for uh, two with two. What about um? Sid Biddings and red cards this week. Well, well go on then. What, what do you reckon, Parky? We're going to stay with 13 on the pitch? Yes. Yes, we are. We are. We're going to be so disciplined this week. And in fact, Fluttersfield are going to get agitated. Two of theirs are going to get binned. All right. How about you, uh, Paul? I think we should wind that Luke Yates up and get him sent off. <laughs> <laughs> Watson might get sent off. He might yeah. get sent to the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think after after last week, I think we'll we'll only go down to ten men. Yeah. <laughs> as long week. as we win, I'm not bothered. <laughs> yeah. So that's the end of this week's uh, podcast. Uh, Parking, have a good show. Yeah, yeah, plenty to talk about. Uh, you know, after a decent performance last week, we've had uh, obviously the sad news about Moose and mm. the great news about Broden. So uh, yeah, been a good a good chat. Yeah, another great show. Uh, Paul, we, we obviously we're now on YouTube, so everyone can watch us as well as listening to us. We've got forty subscribers now, which is which is fantastic. Uh, so if you're listening to this, you haven't managed to subscribe on YouTube yet, uh, make sure you go on YouTube and uh, and subscribe to us, and you can uh, you watch us as well as listening to us. Yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds good. I just need to get myself a decent background, don't yeah, I? Yeah, because uh, Park is, is is amazing, isn't it? But no, yeah, enjoy enjoy the show though. It's nice to be back on and. Uh, yeah, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll be on again next week, work permitting. Yeah, big thanks for tuning this week's uh, Devil of Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil of Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter, at DITDSRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify and YouTube. See you next week.